Hey there, everybody. This is John at pureandsimplebible.com. Thank you for coming back to the podcast this week, and I'm so thankful again to have a conversation with Brother Justin Owen about the question, how can I have peace? Last week, we considered the first part of this conversation by answering some pivotal questions such as, what is perfect peace? And is our perception of perfect peace what God intends it to be? And hopefully, if you followed along then, you would have studied with us about how perfect peace is perfect peace in the gospel of Jesus Christ and and having the, the peace that can overcome even the strongest of trials. This week, we're going to talk specifically about obstacles that might get in the way of that peace, and then what are some keys to holding on to and keeping that peace by looking at some biblical case studies of people who had it and lost it, and what we can do to not fall into those same tropes. We're going to also talk about our perception of what peace is and what the reality is of God's perfect peace. Let's jump right back into that conversation, shall we? I'm worried that if I'm always deferring to others in order to have that perfect peace, that I'm just going to get walked on all the time. So how do I stand up for myself? Maybe if, if uh, I don't know, at my job or at, my, at school or something, if I'm getting picked on versus being at peace with, uh, you know, others around me and, and um, kind of submitting to others in, with a loving attitude. Is there a way to balance those two? It, that's a great question. I'm not sure I have the exact answer. Uh, I can tell you what my what my own opinion is on that. I think when we feel like we need to stand up for for something or for someone, go back to the scriptures and look at the times when somebody did. Oh, okay. Uh, usually, usually it wasn't ever about standing up for self. Ah. Oh but it was standing for something that was right, standing for the Lord, right. you know, standing for truth. Uh, and that's really the, uh, in my own life, I think uh, I, I can do better practicing this, obviously, but that's the principle that I try to put forward is, all right, if I'm suffering some kind of an injustice if people are walking all over me, is that something that, is there something wrong with that other than the fact that, that I feel, you know, a little trampled or walked on? Right. If I'm serving somebody else, if it's a if it's doing them a service, then it's okay. If I'm enabling somebody to have bad habits, yeah. well, maybe that's not okay. Yeah, that's kind of the the line that I use. I like it. Uh, it make it reminds me of Hebrews eleven. Their their faith in the hall of faith was about uh, seeking God and not just justifying themselves in front of other people. So um, yeah. I'm wondering. So we, we just mentioned some in Philippians 2, uh, but maybe we could consider some obstacles that are in the way of obtaining perfect peace. Maybe in Philippians 2, we also read some at the beginning from James 4, but uh, what, what could get in my way in this pursuit? Yeah, you know, if you, if you kind of envision in your mind that, you know, Christians are on one side over here, and then on the other side is this, this peace that we all can obtain. And then in between the Christians and the peace is this wall. And that wall is comprised of like all different types of bricks, the brick of selfish ambition, the brick of, of pleasure, the brick of, of discontentment. 
and we, I think we found through our study there there are even breaks like wrong thinking about our persecutions right. and, and our right. injustices and things like that, uh, unloving attitudes towards God or towards men. All of these things stand in the way of us obtaining perfect peace. Mm. And if we just recognize that these are all we, we're capable of removing all these things in order to obtain it. Uh, I think that's a good way to look at life and the situations that present themselves as we pursue it. So when I recognize these obstacles, I think that's that's healthy to be able to identify what's in my way, whether it is ambition or pleasure, whether it's wrong thinking, et cetera. You know, I guess the million dollar question is how can we have and keep this peace knowing what's going to stand in our way? How, how do we get it? How do we keep it? Well, I think that's a, a question that's very similar to uh, which is the greatest command, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think the answer is the same. You love and serve the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. If you make God life and not just something that you do on the weekend, mm. uh, but you make your, your every part of your being about him, Right, right. That's what's most important. And that's a way that God can keep you in this peace, just like Isaiah promised. You do the things in the scriptures that you're taught, and you can have a peace that goes even beyond the physical. You know, you serve others, you have a healthy view of yourself and what you really deserve. But most importantly, just don't be consumed with living for yourself. Live for him. I'm thinking about Philippians 4, verse 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace surpasses all understanding. And so people might wonder, uh, how does serving God with all my mind and soul and strength lead to peace? It seems like it's just, you know, all about him and not about me, which it is. But that connection in Philippians 4 being... uh, that it surpasses your understanding that if you just served God, you might not get it. But I think down the line, beyond the understanding of the moment, it makes sense that putting him first will somehow bring peace to your life. What do you think about that? I think that's a great verse that I need to add to this sermon. (laughs) Verse six too, you know, be anxious for nothing. Anxiety is such an issue in today's society. And yeah. Yeah. uh, And I think, Paul kind of gives some guidelines here that are are super important, but uh, I missed this when I went through the study the first time uh, in every prayer and supplication. Well, there you go, man. It's, it's, Uh, yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you, you, I'm going to quote you in your notes where you say uh, it's important not to be consumed with living for yourself. And that's kind of the antithesis of perfect peace is being consumed with self. I'm wondering maybe if you could give some Bible examples of that, people who became consumed with self and they ended up losing their peace? Yeah, well, there's a, an abundance of them, obviously. We, we have the Old Testament. The Bible tells us it was written for our, our learning, the mistakes that those guys made. You, know, you don't have a finer example of people that kind of get consumed living for themselves uh, uh, outside of the Kings. Oh uh, yeah. And yeah. Really, really the first three, I mean, the, you think about the first three Kings that, that served for Israel, each of them kind of had a, a decent start. King Saul chosen by God, you know, anointed by King and, 
he was he, a pretty good king, a successful king until when? It's when he started thinking about himself and right. serving himself. And, yeah. You know, then God allowed the evil spirit to come and <laughs> torment him. Uh -huh. King David, right afterwards, he, look at his early life. Like the the immeasurable calm and poise that he had against Goliath, uh, against King Saul, how even, you know, taking a corner of his garment made him, it, it pricked his conscience. It made him feel bad. Mm -hmm. And you look at the, the life that he led and lived as king, and you can see why he was so successful, why he had that, that calm and that peace in his life until when he wandered down on the rooftop and saw a girl bathing. Yep. And from that day forward, you can see the peace in his life did depart, and it was really hard for poor David to get it back. Uh, and then Solomon, you know, it's the same same story, really. He asked for a wise heart to lead the people and brought Israel into a time of physical peace like they had never known. Uh, and then as he was pursuing life's meaning, he kind of went beyond what God said and made some unwise choices with regard to pursuing the flesh. And yeah, I, I do think he came to his senses, but not before it was too late for his kids and, you know, before he'd done some damage to the kingdom. There was a legacy there was a legacy there that he had to deal with. Yeah. And that's part of what happens when perfect peace departs the life of the believer. And I think it's the same for us today. That's why we have to be so focused on making sure that we're faithful and we serve God and we don't make the, the big mistakes that these men made mm. and mistakes do happen. But, and I don't, I'm not saying that perfect peace is something that's never to be obtained again. Right. But, when you choose uh, willingly something other than what God has presented as, as right and good, know that you're not going to have peace in those situations, especially the perfect peace that we enjoy when we come into fellowship with God again. Well, hopefully someone who maybe has struggled with peace has kind of reached the conclusion uh, that God's peace is different than the world's peace. But I'm going to go ahead and ask a question maybe that's just on the nose. Um, enjoying perfect peace is not going to grant us a life with no problems. Is that right? Yeah. You know, sometimes we'll even have to sacrifice a, a peaceful setting uh, and conflict will arise out of certain things. But if we're doing it because it's the, it's the thing that we have to do in order to maintain our perfect peace with God, then I think that's really what, what counts because you can be at peace no matter what consequences come in this life, knowing that you've done right by God. Romans 12 verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all. And it seems like I have the ability to have peace, even if somebody doesn't want to be peaceful with me and that I'm going to have to be peaceful in situations where there is no peace in the lives of others, right? Um, in your notes, you, you mentioned 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, about a little leaven leavening the whole lump. It seems like we're going to have to be at peace knowing that uh, we have we live a life where sometimes we sin, where people sin around us, and mm -hmm. so there's going to be wrongdoing that has to be dealt with, but um, as much as possible with us, we can be at peace even though the world around us is not. Yeah, I think that's right. And, 
that passage in Romans that you're talking about, that we, uh, as representatives of God's voice on this earth, I, I think, paint a picture that we, we desire peace with all. We want peace with all, but there there will come a time, uh, I do believe anyways, that people can live in such a way that peace isn't possible. There has to be uh, a, a line that's drawn, and that's why we're given that, that passage in verse 18, I think, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, mm-hmm. live peaceably. And we, understanding that command, I, I think, it does lead to the to the natural or the physical peace that uh, uh, many people are striving to obtain, anyways. So again, from God's clear direction, just following His word, natural consequence of that is going to be peace for the most part. This is hard to employ. I, I recognize, you know, you get people that pick at you or that that you know seriously want to do you wrong, and. It's hard to think, okay, yeah. well, how am I supposed to have peace if this person's constantly out for me? But uh, as much as it depends on you, that's the directive that we're given. And uh, remembering that you can endure mm-hmm. those things, any wrongdoing or any suffering that you go through, and know that you're being pleasing to God by doing it, it can bring a, a, a secondary peace of the heart and of the mind that just says, I'm right with God. you know, And, and God's going to... Right. take care of all this right. uh, in just the right way at some point in time. So. Let me pick your brain. Um, you, you did bring up a point about uh, there sometimes has to be a, a line drawn in the sand. Sometimes yeah. wrongdoing has to be dealt with. So I, I can't use peace as an excuse to let sin uh, maybe prevail in my life or in, in the lives of people that I love or in the church. Maybe you could just encourage us with a few scriptures about that, um, about how wrong needs to be dealt with. And I don't want to use peace as an excuse to just let it fester. Yeah. Over in Ezekiel 13, there are lots of places in the Old Testament, uh, Jeremiah 8 also, uh, where peace is something that people are, are shouting, but it doesn't mean that there's peace there. Ezekiel 13.10 because they've led my people astray, saying peace when there is no peace, and whitewashing uh-huh. any flimsy wall that's built. That that passage is is great because it it indicates that people can have the right kind of words, but the wrong kind of actions to accompany them. And uh-huh. yeah, it, it it I think it defines a lot of the problem that we see in today's world. Is uh-huh. I believe that when we do nothing because people are shouting peace at the top of their lungs. <laughs> uh, it doesn't do anybody any just any any services. It doesn't do any justice to the situation. I almost feel like there's a, a, a connection to the word tolerance. Yeah. Uh, people are screaming tolerance, but are intolerant for one that is not on their side. And uh, maybe that's like a modern parallel is, is our perception of what tolerance is versus reality of what tolerance is very different. And the same might be true with peace. Is that where we're going? Like the people might be screaming it and it's their perception of peace, but it, it's not lining up with the reality of what God's peace is. Well, that's, I think that's absolutely right. You know, peace is more than just the absence of trouble and conflict. Uh, biblical peace is something you can have regardless of circumstances around you. So uh, regardless of any physical thing that comes in life, uh, you, you can have the peace that God promises and that men are pursuing that physical carnal peace. And, uh, it's not something that's 
I think, always obtainable. But the peace that God offers, it is. It's always obtainable. And that's what Jesus was talking about in John 14, right? The the peace that he offered is this type. Yeah, that's it. You know, the peace that Jesus is talking about in John 14, 27 is the type of peace that leaves the disciples with this ability. It's the ability to rain, uh, to remain calm mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like super intense situations. It's, it, it allows them to, to still riots and to re- rejoice in their sufferings and to sing while you're in the middle of a prison, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's not altered by circumstances, but it, instead it affects and even overrules the circumstances. Mm. So in, in, in a lot of ways, that's how we let our light shine before men too, by treating adversity with a proper mindset. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, we are at the end and I'm curious if there's, you know, anything we've left out. I'd like to give you maybe a, a minute or two to, to add a final thought. I said towards the beginning that there, one thing I hoped we emphasized through this study is that there was a, a difference in the type of peace that was physical, the type of peace that men pursued and, then the the peace that God offers the the peace that Jesus offered to his disciples and there is a peace that's better than that carnal peace that men pursue but it requires us to change our mind about our life and what we deserve and it requires us to understand that you can be joyous when you're mistreated uh, you can endure suffering and and understand hey <laughs> James called some of those trials joy and uh-huh. when we uh-huh. get to that spot where we can understand that the trials uh they can bring us some some comfort and they can bring us some joy and knowing that we're standing for god in a hard time if you could just adjust your focus in life to be less on your feelings and your desires and more on what god wants you to be you can have a, a life that is so much more filled with peace and not just the, the, the peace that transcends the carnal, but I think it, it even assists with the mindset that we have towards the carnal yielding to God. Uh, a lot of times can give us peace even in the physical world, but most importantly, spiritually speaking, we can have what our heart craves, the perfect Mm. peace, the peace with God that he, he offers to us and promises to hold us in. Should we follow his will? Amen. Well, brother, thank you very much for this opportunity and uh, for being my first guest in this format. So uh, thanks for your your courage and thank you also for the study you've done. I'm very grateful for our time together. Thank you for your work and for this this program that you're putting together. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, I want to thank you once again for joining me and Justin as we talked about the answer to this biblical question, how can I have peace? And I hope that in your heart, you're able to move closer to God by listening to his word, living faithfully for him, draw near to that perfect peace that the Bible talks about. Wasn't it a great conversation? You know what? You can go to the website, pureandsimplebible.com, and find all the archive podcasts available for you to listen to anytime. And I would also suggest, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe If you're on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and even for the few of you that are on Google Music, you can subscribe to the podcast, and then each week it'll automatically be downloaded to your device and give you the latest episode without you having to go hunting for it. So go there, subscribe, do it now. For everybody else who's already done that, go to the website and check out the resources. 
Hopefully, I'm updating them weekly and giving you new things to look at, but there's just some solid content, especially in the workbooks and the free Bible study courses that are available for you to look at. Until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.